You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Covenant Church in Big Spring, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us online. To find more resources or to donate to this amazing ministry, please visit us at cccbigspring.org or text your amount to 84321. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. God is good and all the time. What I want you to do is I want you to return with me back to the book of Genesis, the third chapter. So uh, grab your your Bible uh, or your copy of the Bible, I should say, Uh, your smart device, whatever you use to go and and read the scriptures. I want you to grab and go with me to Genesis, uh, the third chapter. And as you're turning there, uh, let me just take a moment to uh, welcome you to our 11 a.m. Uh, service. Doesn't matter if you're joining us here on site or joining us online. We are delighted that you have chosen to connect with us this morning uh, as we are continuing our new series, Lies Couple Believe. Say that with me. Lies Couples Believe. Now, it is our goal during this series, uh, our topic, uh, overall topic throughout the next few weeks is to unmask the lies of the enemy uh, of our relationships. And what we want to do is, is remind you that if you didn't get a chance to, wasn't here last Sunday, I would encourage you to go check out the podcast or go to our YouTube channel. Uh, it perhaps may even be still up on our Facebook, Cornerstone Covenant Church Facebook page, and go and check out the message, Strange Voices. We were in Genesis, the third chapter, verses 1 through 4 uh, last week, and today we're going to cover verses 5 through 8. And then, of course, uh, next week we'll cover 9 through 11, and then we'll go to another story uh, in the Scripture. Uh, At the beginning, as we were writing this series, I I thought it would be important because there's so much in these 11 verses to try to not give all 11 uh, at the same time. And so we broke it down over three weeks. And then after the third week, uh, next week, we'll cover 11 through 9, and then we'll go and continue on in our series just in a different part uh, of the Word of God. Uh, What I want to do is also remind you to connect with us uh, on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. We have a Wednesday edition. Uh, Our first one was last uh, Wednesday, and it was spectacular. I was really blessed, uh, not just by the the overall atmosphere of worship and praise, but but, uh, Bella just really... Uh, that people don't know, but Bella is extremely shy. And the fact that I was able to get her on this platform and give her three. Well, y'all here? Did she not do an amazing job? Wow. It was absolutely spectacular. Uh, we covered six points together, uh, together. Six things we wish you knew or would do. And then we went into Q&A. Uh, we don't know what this coming Wednesday looks like, but we expect God to do something in that service. It is our custom to stand for the opening reading of God's word. So if you don't mind uh, standing with us. We're going to be in Genesis, the third chapter, verse number five. And as you're turning there, I was reminded of a story of a pastor who went to dinner uh, to visit some uh, members at their home. Check this out. Uh, And it says, some time ago, a couple invited their pastor to their home to have dinner. And after the pastor left, the wife said to the husband, I think the pastor stole my spoon. This bothered the wife for a whole year. Meanwhile, a year later, the couple invited the pastor again uh, to dinner. Unable to resist, the wife summoned the courage to ask, Pastor, did you steal my spoon? Surprised and somewhat uncomfortable, the pastor replied, No, I put it inside your Bible. (laughs) Boom, got you. You wasn't ready for it, were you? Look at your neighbor and say, Keep your Bible closed. Keep your Bible closed. Yeah, look at your other neighbor and say, get the dust off, get the dust off, yeah. Genesis, the third chapter, verses 5 through 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Your translation may be different from mine, but I believe you'll be able to follow along. You'll find these words recorded. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I want to bring your attention back to verse number 5. For that's where we're our main focus uh, will hinge on. Here it is. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Your eyes will be open. Say that with me. Your eyes will be open. Here it is. We are in our second week of our Lies Couple Believe series. And what we're going to do today is we're going to unmask the strategies and the plans of seduction that brings division in relationship in a message entitled Blinded by sight. Blinded by sight. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to come in agreement with me in this prayer. I'm going to tell you what our prayer is. It's not a long prayer, but there's power in agreement. So that's why I'm going to share with you. Our prayer simply is this. Heavenly Father, bless the Holy Spirit. Listen, asking God to collectively, the Holy Spirit to speak and to heal our hearts. That's all we're going to ask. Lord, speak and heal our hearts. Can we come in agreement with that? Let me pray, and I want you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the privilege and honor for those who are on site and those who are joining us online, that in this moment, Heavenly Father, it is our collective prayer that you would use the Holy Spirit to speak and to heal our hearts. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are so delighted that you have chosen to come here and be with us uh, today in fellowship. Now, it is worth, because we're in a series, uh, we have to run the risk, if you want. How many of you were not here, were not here last Sunday? Were not here last Sunday. Okay, so many of you were, most of you were. And what I want to do is I want to challenge you uh, with this idea of building upon this, this principles that we shared with you last week. One of the things that were important that we laid as a foundation is our approach to this particular series. It is important that we understand the power of these building blocks, three building blocks. I, I told you that we were going to take a three-pronged approach to our series throughout the, the next few weeks. We're going to build upon that. We're, we're going to use uh, what we call a tripod approach. Tripod, I told you, comes from the Greek tripus, meaning having three feet. And so three feet are the things that brings its stability. The first thing uh, that we built upon, the first building block we built last week, or built upon rather, was came from John chapter 8, or chapter 8 verse number uh, 31 and 32. It says this, Then Jesus said to those disciples who believed him, somebody say believed him, Believed him, if you abide in my word. Notice it wasn't enough to just believe him. The challenge was to believe in him and to abide in his word. Listen to what he says. You are my disciples indeed. Then Jesus continues on and says this. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now the thing that we thought about as it relates to building this building block. That if the truth sets you free, what will a lie do? A lie can keep you in bondage. So it is important that we know the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to know the truth. The second thing we talked about as it relates to the second building block was this idea of poisoning the whale. We see this in this dialogue with Eve and the serpent. Understand, the purpose of poisoning the whale, it is this idea of taking uh, the dirt and moving it apart to cast doubt. Because before you can plant the seed of a lie, you, it, it helps to have already cast doubt. We're going to see that this morning in the first few verses. But it's to cast doubt, it's to move the dirt, move it like you're getting ready to plant, and then it is to insert a lie. But what would be the purpose of that? Well, understand that the, that the, the enemy's uh, strategic approach is to get Eve away from the voice of God and obedience from God, to get Adam away from the voice and the obedience of God and what God does is God doesn't just use himself to speak into your life you can see this in your relationship in your marriage you can see this in your relationship with your children if you're an educator you can see this in relationship to you and your students the enemy loves to poison the whale in other words or, or at least give you the impression that the whale has been poisoned and guess what who's going to take a chance if you think the whale is poisoned so by its very nature you sort of a 
abstain from partaking in that. Why is that? What is this tactic designed to do? The first thing it's designed to do, it is designed to breed distrust. The enemy's approach is to get Eve in his dialogue with her to not trust God's word. The second thing it's designed to do is to erode God's influence in her life. Then the third thing that it's designed to do, it is to cut off her support system, which is, is God. So there is breeze distrust, it erodes the influence, and then it cuts off the support system. The third thing that we took notice of is, uh, as far as this third, uh, this, this three-pronged approach, is this idea that's found in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse number 4. The Bible says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God by the pulling down of stronghold. Now, I told you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a lie that you have chosen to believe. The word stronghold, stronghold comes from the Greek that literally means a fortress. And when you accept the lie, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, you then allow it to not only remain in its fortress, you fortify it in your mind. So, so we're going to deal with those things this morning. So those are the three things that I want you to think about as we go through this series. Now, real quick, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And I want you to consider what is the, what is the opening dialogue. The Bible says, now the serpent, somebody say the serpent, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he says to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Notice how in his subtle approach, he then inserts a level of doubt. Did God really say that you couldn't eat of every tree? Of the garden, here he is. He's, he's poisoning the whale. He's, he's casting doubt. Why? Because he's preparing to plant a lie. So right now in his dialogue with Eve, he is breeding distrust. He is eroding God's influence in her life. He is actually trying to cut off her support system. Last week we told you that this, in the message, that this is what we call strange voices. Somebody say strange we know it's strange because here it is, a serpent is talking to a woman. Look at your name and say, I don't know about you, but that's strange. The Bible says, and the woman's, now you think it's strange that he spoke to her. It's even more strange that she took time out of her schedule to speak back to him. The woman says to the serpent, I'm in verse 2, we may eat of the tree or the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall ye touch it, lest you die. Notice that Eve, now we studied this last week, there's nowhere in Scripture that God speaks to Eve directly. But verse 2 tells us that God had a way of getting his message to Eve, and that was through Adam. So in verse 2, it tells us that Eve knew God's expectation and instruction as it relates to eating on this fruit. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Look at your neighbor and say, she knew better. She knew. She looked, yeah, just. So, so here it is. Here it is. Verse 4 says, then the serpent says to the woman, you will not surely die. There it is. Remember, he cast doubt. Has God really said that? And by the time we get to verse 4, he inserts the lie, and he just flat out says, God didn't say that. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Okay, you told the wrong neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, that's a lie. That's, yeah, that, that's a lie. He, he told, and sometime when we entertain these types of strange voices and we speak back to strange voices, we say strange things. Look at your neighbor and say, you've heard some strange things. You know, look at your other neighbor and say, you've heard some strange things. You, you know, certain strange things like, I ain't living with, I ain't going to date no man that's living with his mama. But you'll date one living with his wife. Some of y'all want to leave right now. Like, I just came on the wrong side. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I told you this series this ain't going to be no joke. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Because God, listen, God has challenged my soul in this series. And he says the church cannot be silent. When we are silent, we are culpable in people's failure. And I don't want to die with blood on my hands. So with that being said, 
Verse 5 says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, let me show you how the enemy can blind you by sight. Because one of the things, if you've studied this text, you notice that the enemy speaks to her. The enemy then casts doubt. Then he plants a lie. And the problem is, is that Eve did not reject the lie. But on top of that, she never pursued the truth. That's the power of deception. That's the power of seduction. Somebody here today needs to go back and you need to not only repent, you need to seek somebody's forgiveness. Because off of a lie, listen, you left a friend and it was over a lie. You left and abandoned a relationship, come on, and it was over a lie. You left a marriage and it was over a lie. Perhaps you even left a church and it was all over a lie. And you didn't love them enough to pursue the truth. Somebody told you something, it got in your heart, you became offended, and you never went to them to say, is this true? The problem is, is what do you do when a lie comes from somebody that should be credible? There's a tendency to believe that lie. Notice in the text, I'm still in verse 6. Notice in the text, the Bible says that when Eve saw the tree. Now this is important because one of the things that is worthy of note is this idea that all sin, somebody say all sin. All sin, all sin, it doesn't matter where you've been, where you come from, doesn't matter if you're overseas or stateside. All sin comes in the door of three areas, all sin. The Bible says in 1 John, uh, the second chapter, around the 16th verse, it says we have the, what all is in the world is the lust of the eye, uh, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He goes on to say in that same text that this is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Now, the Bible also says that we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities in all points tempted like us, yet without sin. In other words, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not only our kinsman redeemer, he's our high priest, but he's also a high priest that can, that can be connected to you. Here it is, Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago, and he is still connected to his church. So you can sit there and say, well, Jesus don't know what it means to struggle, amen and fall into the sin of my marriage. He doesn't know what it means to fall into sins of drug abuse. Well, you're right. Jesus has never puffed and smoked on crack cocaine. But it doesn't matter because all sin comes through three doors. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So you can highlight your particular issue. But Jesus says, you did that, I got you. You was there, I got you. You was over there, I got you. And it's all covered. Come on, somebody. And it can be dressed by the blood because it's all in three doors. And so we see this three-pronged approach in Eve's dialogue with the enemy. Check it out. Verse 6 says this. And when Eve saw that the tree was good for food. Look at your neighbor and say, mm-mm. You know why you say, mm-mm on that one? Because she just said when she saw it. Now remember, the seed, the lie has been planted inside of her. Now she comes in contact with the tree and that seed that had been laying dormant, poof, springs to life. And so all of a sudden now she's come in contact and she says, look at the text, and the tree was good for food. She is being deceived into thinking that something that God said would kill her is now good for her. That's deception. That she is now looking at a thing that God is saying, that's not good for you. That will kill you. That will destroy you. That will damage you. She is now looking at that thing and saying, it's good for food. That's the first thing. The second thing, the Bible says, not only did she see that it was good for food, but that it was pleasant to the eye. She is now then drawn by her own lust. That's what James teaches, that every man is drawn of his own lust and then enticed. And if we stay there, uh, it, it will begin to cause and promote, promote sin in our life. And then eventually it gives birth to death. So she is now then drawn by her own lust based on her attraction to what she saw. She heard it, now she saw it. And now it's its ability to connect with her appetite. 
So now this thing is connected to something that you and I can't see physically in her life. She sees it, and when she sees it, now something is going on on the inside of her. You say, Pastor Will, how do you know that? Well, look at the next text, the next part of the text. The tree was good. It was pleasant, and then it says this, and the tree desirable to make one wise. So now all of a sudden she's hooked. How do you know she's hooked, Pastor Willard? Because this word desirable literally means that Eve now takes pleasure, here it is, in the thought of consumption. She hasn't even eaten. Have you ever just looked at some food and you look at it and you say, I'm about to tear you up. I'm just... Mm. You know, you have, I mean, how many of y'all like barbecue? We're in West Texas. I mean, and you, and you got some good beans and some good potato salad. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's in some good barbecue sauce. You know what I'm saying? Maybe got you a little bit of greens and some, and some cornbread on the side. Amen. With a fat bowl of Kool-Aid. I said a bowl, not a glass. A big bowl of Kool-Aid. Amen. So, so, <laughs> so here you are, and all of a sudden you hadn't even eaten it, eaten it yet, but you start salivating at the mouth. That's what's going on with Eve. So she saw it, she now is pleasant to her, and now all of a sudden her desire. It means literally she's taking pleasure in the thought of consumption, even though she hadn't even touched it nor tasted yet. And this is all going on with her mind. And when this happened, when she, became, when she made it good, when she made it pleasant, when it became desirable, notice the result. She took of the fruit and she ate. Look at your name and say, sometime you look too long. Notice the power of the influence in the relationship. Not only did she eat, but the Bible says, and also she gave to her a husband with her, and now he eats. Listen, even though we mentioned the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, the cycle of this destruction started with a lie. The lie affected Eve, and because it did not, she did not pursue the truth, it now contaminates Adam. See, understand this. I want you to see this, and I want you to capture what I'm saying here. And that is, I've seen this in relationships, where people cut off other friends, family, co-workers, church members, all due to a lie. And we don't love people enough to pursue the truth. So all of a sudden, remember I told you earlier that a stronghold is a lie that you have chosen to believe. And understand, do you see it? She is now being seduced. Seduction is now taking place. The seed of deception is now planted next to this lie. Why is that done? To gain influence in her life. Why is that done? To seduce her. Why is that done? It is to draw her away, even Adam away, from the presence of God into bondage in their lives. And so a stronghold is a lie that you have chosen to believe. Here it is. Don't miss this. And when you say it's okay, you give it permission to stay. Some of us are not delivered from that very thing because at your core, you've said okay. You've given it permission to stay. You've given that lie permission to remain. And when you give that lie permission to stay in your mind and in your heart, here it is. You then choose it over God. And when you choose it, whatever it is, over God, you make that thing an idol. And that's what happens in the garden. That they now have heard the instructions of God. Certainly Eve knew what knew better. And now Adam has partaken. He certainly knew better. He received it directly from God. She received it indirectly. But there was no confusion. They knew what God's expectation was. But they yet took of this and they chose it over God. And now the forbidden fruit has become their idol. Even becomes, here, here we see it, Eve becomes trapped by what she heard. She becomes entrapped by what she saw and ultimately what she believed. And because she believed it, there's no doubt she believed it. How do we know that? Because she then touches it and then she then eats it and then she then gives it away. Verse 7 says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves covering, and they sewed fig leaves together. I'm going to hit on this later as I close up next week, uh, because there's something I want to share with you about that particular part of the Scripture when we go into verses 9 through 11. But the Bible says also in verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Don't miss this. And Adam and his wife hid themselves notice it started with the lie and the lie that they have believed has caused them 
to flee, the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord God that was among the garden. Now, this is what you need to understand. That was their story. Look at your name and say, that's their story. But look at your other name and say, what's yours? My question to you this morning is, what lies have you chosen to believe? And every week we're going to talk about lies couples believe. Here's number one. Here's a lie that couples believe. If you're taking notes, look at the big screen. Here it is. Number one, you can look as long as you don't touch. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a... I didn't say you haven't looked. I said it's a lie to believe that long as you look and don't touch, it's okay. You can look as long as you don't touch. That's a lie. Look at your name and say, that's a lie. Well, first of all, let me say this. Let me just be honest with you. First, we are not blind. Amen. And you need to know that God is not going to stop making attractive, good-looking, fine people just because you got saved. I just thought I'd mention that and throw that out there. He's not. You need to understand, to take notice of someone's attractiveness is a basic human instinct. That's why when you were getting to know the person, you was getting all dolled up and, 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 and uh, glamming up and, and uh, 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 washing in creases and crevices you didn't know you had. So, so to be drawn to someone's attractiveness is not necessarily the problem. Stay with me here. You need to know that there's a difference between noticing someone's appearance and gawking at someone's appearance. You need to know, here it is, looking or staring can be considered disrespectful to the person that you're looking at. But it also certainly can be disrespectful as well as hurtful to the person that you're in a relationship with. You're sitting up in the restaurant, somebody walked by and there go your eye. Not only could that be disrespectful to the person you're looking at, it certainly can be disrespectful to the person you're having dinner with. Talk to me, somebody. Listen, Eve becomes seduced, which is to say that she is drawn away and then drawn to. What do you mean by that? She was drawn away from the healthy fruit that God had provided for them and now drawn to the forbidden fruit that is now killing them. It started with a conversation and then a look. It starts spiritual, then mental, and then eventually physically. Job says, and you don't have to turn there, but Job says in chapter 31, in verse 1, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? This is what Job is saying. Job recognized the dangers of looking upon someone with impure and inappropriate thoughts. But understand, for some of us, this is going to require us retraining our minds and filling our hearts with faith in God's word. Because you need to know, the number one cause of divorce is not infidelity. The number one cause of divorce is not finances. The number one cause of divorce is not a lack of commitment. And the number one cause of divorce is not substance abuse. The number one cause of divorce is selfishness. And when you become selfish, it opens the door for abuse. It opens the door for lack of commitment. It opens the door for infidelity. It opens the door for a, a mismanagement of finances. So the number one lie on our list today is that you can look as long as you don't touch. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah, here we go. The second lie. Second lie that couples believe, here it is, flirting is okay. I got about six people that said no. That gives me the impression about the rest of y'all saying, well, here it is, here it is. First of all, let me define uh, what flirting is. Flirting in the general sense, stay with me here, flirting in the general sense is to express an interest as well as to share your availability with another person. Did, 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 you, did you stay with me? Uh, it, it is to express interest and it's also to express your availability. So if you're married and you're flirting with your spouse, it's okay. Let it rip. Listen, if you are single, dealing with another single person, flirting is okay. With proper boundaries. It should not be sexually suggestive. Come on, y'all. Talk to me. This is the church. This ain't a civic center. This is the church. Come on. See, see you have to understand that, that flirting is okay. Some scholars believe, if you've ever seen this story, in Genesis 29, you see an encounter with Jacob with Rachel at the well. 
Jacob is there watering his father's sheep and Rachel shows up. Here, when you study this particular passage in the 29th chapter of Genesis, a few things you'll see. You'll see that, first of all, he sees her. And Rachel is fine. Can we say that in church? I'm going to show you later on in this series that she was fine because he's going to compare her biblically to Rachel with Leah. Rachel was fine. He sees her. She catches his attention. Then he speaks to her. So he sees her. He speaks to her, and then he flirts with her. He expresses his interest in her, and he expresses his availability to her. That's flirting. They're both single. So he shares and expresses his availability and his interest. Then, here it is, he kisses her. Scholars will say that it was a platonic kiss, but it must have been a powerful kiss because in the same passage, when he kissed her, the Bible says he cried. I know that was some type of kiss. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can see some of y'all now, girl, like kissing, and he started crying. I don't, I don't, I just, <laughs> yeah. Then, here it is, don't miss it. He then marries her. He sees her. He speaks. He flirts. He kisses her platonically, and then he marries her. You need to understand, flirting is okay long as it's done within the proper boundaries. That brings me to this. Flirting should not violate boundaries. Just because you're single and they are single doesn't mean he or she is fair game. Y'all talk to me here. They may not be interested in you like that. And just because they're single and you're single doesn't mean that they're uh, open to your advancement as it relates to flirtation. He or she may just not be that into you. In other words, they may see you as only a friend. Ouch. Because anytime you're pursuing, you don't want to be put in the friend zone. Talk to me. Here it is. Flirting should not violate fidelity. Fidelity is this idea of remaining faithful. That's why we use the word infidelity. If you are married, if you are engaged, if you are betrothed to someone else, you should not be flirting. Why? Because flirting at its core is to express availability and interest. And listen, though you may be tempted and even interested, you are not available. So do yourself and your spouse and your family all a favor and leave the flirting to those who are relationally available to do so. Can we say amen? Here's my third one. Here's my third one. Don't miss this one. If we agree, then whatever we do is okay. If we agree, whatever, if we agree, then whatever we do is okay. Well, if that's the case then what Eve and Adam did would have been okay. She ate, and she was okay. He ate, and guess what? He ate what she gave to him, and guess what? It wasn't okay. So just because you're in agreement to do something doesn't mean it's okay. Sometimes people find themselves couples, we're talking about couples, that what about this idea of being in agreement or decision to leave a ministry? Me and my husband both didn't agree, but did God agree? What, what about the agreement to cheat on your taxes? Just because y'all are both in agreement doesn't mean God is okay with it. Talk to me, somebody. Just because you're in agreement to use, amen, drugs recreationally doesn't mean that God is okay with it. Just because you're in agreement to live together unmarried, you are both in agreement. You're going to save a ton of money. Doesn't mean that God is okay with it. What about the agreement to, a, listen, to add an additional person into our bedroom? Oh, it's going to get tight in here before we get out of here. Just because you're okay doesn't mean that God is okay with it. I tell you what, on this third point, don't leave. Leave. If you got to go to the restroom, you better hold it. What, what about this idea of open marriages? See, understand, well, first of all, the world and the secular community from the beginning of time has impacted the faith community. So there's, that's nothing new. The idea of open marriages is not a new phenomenon. It's been around. But understand, marriage is God's institution. And though you may agree that an open marriage would be beneficial, you need to understand that marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman with God in the center. 
And though you may agree together in theory, God is not in agreement with it. Talk to me, somebody. This is why. Because fidelity in marriage is not only defined by being faithful to your spouse, it encompasses this idea of being faithful to God as well. It is not about just her. It is not about just you. It is about you, him, you and her, and God also being a part of it. So here it is. You need to understand that it is a lie. Couples believe that if we agree, then whatever we do is okay. Here's another lie. It's your fault I did what I did. This is a lie that couples believe. It is your fault I did what I did. See, understand, failure to take responsibility can be devastating to your relationship. Why is that? Because when you blame him or her for your choices, when you blame him and her for your decisions, when you blame him and her, him or her for your behavior, then three things usually take place. Check this out. One thing that takes place is this, a loss of respect. When you do not take responsibility in your relationship for your decision making, they lose respect. Listen, it becomes extremely difficult, if not impossible, to continue to love someone that you don't respect. And you shift, listen, and then the shifting of blame, you don't understand this. Anytime you're in a relationship and you shift the blame onto the other person, shifting blame takes up too much space in your relationship. The second thing, after there's a loss of respect, the other thing that you'll see is this idea of an eroding of trust. Distrust can be oftentimes the result of blaming others. And as a result, you trust me with the car and your car keys, but you don't trust me with your heart. And the reason why is because you won't take responsibility. You won't take responsibility for the last thing you did to my heart. Why would I trust you with my heart today? And because there's a lack of trust, there's also a eroding a, a, a of respect. Here's the last thing that you'll see when it comes to this idea of it's your fault, uh, I did what I did, is a tendency to minimize or downplay consequences. It is an, it's a very difficult thing to be in a loving, healthy relationship with somebody that, number one, will not take responsibility, and then when they do, they downplay it, they minimize it. Amen. Oh, that was no big deal. Well, the problem is, is that the other person in the relationship with you is having to pay the same price. And it is unfair for them to have to pay the price for your choices. And then all of a sudden you try to minimize it, act as if it wasn't no big deal. That took time out of my life. You made a decision to make a decision to, to go do something. And now you are in jail six months. You have pulled yourself out of my life. And now I'm affected. The kids are affected. All these things now has an effect on me. Listen, you will gain the respect of him or her when you intentionally take responsibility for your own action. But in order to do this, you got to number one, here it is, don't miss this, you got to stop blaming your parents. Somebody in here, you need to stop blaming your ex for all your bad decisions. Somebody else, you need to stop blaming it on the addiction and then now confront your addiction. You need to, listen, it's a big one, we need to stop blaming our past. Pastor Willard, what are you saying? Here it is. You can gain the respect back. You can build trust again. You can gain the support of your spouse and your family again if that's been lost. But it starts with you taking responsibility. Here's my last point that we'll cover and then we'll jump into this again next week. Here's my last point. The last lie that I want to cover today, and that is simply this. You are damaged beyond repair. That's a lie that couples believe. Couples believe that you are damaged beyond repair. First of all, evaluate what you're going uh, to do as a couple to stop contributing to that damage. That's, that's one of the things. Because anytime you find yourself, stay with me here, anytime you find yourself in need of repair, one of the things you, I challenge couples to do when they come see me is to evaluate what are you doing as a couple that is contributing to the damage in your relationship. Because understand, all of us bring baggage to the relationship. But when you become one, her baggage is your baggage and your baggage is her baggage. And you can never have a healthy relationship by saying, that's your problem, you go take care of it. 
Amen. Because actually, I take that back. You can say that, but that's usually an indication you're not ready for that level of relationship. Because you're still thinking selfishly. Understand, what, the question you must ask yourself when you're evaluating what we are doing to contribute to the unhealthiness of our relationship is ask ourselves this. Is our communication with one another healthy? Pastor Willie, what do you mean by that? Are your vocal tones when you're communicating with one another, is it inviting or is it offensive? Are, you, uh, uh, are, are your mannerisms or your facial expressions, are they inviting or are they dismissive? Are your gestures inviting or threatening and harmful? Do you find yourself threatening divorce and always saying you're going to leave the relationship if the other one don't tighten up? Are you moving forward or are you constantly reliving the mistakes of your past? Or are you holding failure all constantly over their head? Are you faithful with your time, your finances, and even your intimacy? Are you safe place? Are you a safe place for him or her? Are you physically, mentally, or emotionally abusive? Are you disrespectful when you speak to friends and family about his or her shortcomings, issues, or their mistakes that they've made in the relationship? Understand this. This is what you need to know. You are not the manufacturer. The Bible says, here it is, the Bible says that God is the creator of all things. So we have to go back to God. God is the manufacturer. Our job is to pray and do the work. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to do the work. And if you, listen to me, if you do the work that is required, you can recover your relationship. And you don't want to just exist. You want to thrive as you live together. Amen. In harmony before God. But understand, when I looked at this particular last point, I thought about an issue that I had uh, one time I was uh, having difficulty with my internet at home. My modem, uh, for some reason, was I, I just was was really frustrated and became angry because my modem uh, uh, was not receiving internet. And, and of course, if it's broken, certainly I thought it was broken because if it's not br working, it's it's broken. And so it must be broken, broken beyond repair. And so I'm looking at this, and, and if you've ever called professional call centers, not all call centers are this way, but if they can it, determine that you're sort of agitated or angry or disappointed or frustrated, one of the first things they want you to do is calm down. Look at your neighbor and say, calm down. Oh, you told the wrong neighbor. Look at your other neighbor and say, calm down. We'll pick that other neighbor up later. Okay, he said, just calm down. And, and the reason they want you to calm down is because they're not able to be there with you. They want you to calm down because they're getting ready to walk you through the steps. And so when I was talking to the person from the call center, you know, they wanted me to calm down. The other thing they wanted me to do is they wanted me to ensure that the modem was plugged in. Now, us on this end, we're saying, duh, right? But, but again, they, they, want, they want to make sure because sometimes you're like, oh, Lord, the kids must unplug this thing. It was, in, it was plugged into an extension cord that was connected to an extension cord that was an extension cord. And then you find out that last extension cord, they got it in their room somewhere. So look at your neighbor and say, the steps are important. So, so they said, ensure that it's plugged in. Then they said, ensure that the power is on. Look at your neighbor and say, duh. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, they want to make sure that, okay, it's plugged in, but it's the power on. Because sometimes, let's be honest, there's times that you was trying to work something and you realize it wasn't on. Okay, and then you feel like, okay, I ain't going to tell you what you feel like, but you get my point. And so the, after they tell me to, to ensure that it's plugged in, ensure that it is, that the power is on, uh, then they said, here it is, check the results. Check the results. Okay, uh, it, 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 it's not working. It, it, it's, it's not. And then all of a sudden she says this on the other end because they can see what I can't see. And that's the power of prayer. You'll get that on the way car, onto the way to the car. She sees what I don't see. She says it's not broken. It's not damaged. It's just offline. Some of you in your relationship, it's not damaged beyond repair. It is not broken beyond repair. It is simply off line. I feel like preaching now. It is simply off line. So this is what she told me. She said, what I want you to do is grab your modem. And she said, I want you to look at the back. She said, when you look on the back, she says, I want you to grab a pen because you're going to find in the back a small hole. She said, that small hole has your reset button inside of it. She says, what I want you to do is push the button and it will reset itself. I feel like preaching now. 
I just come to tell somebody here that God is telling you, you need to hit the reset button. And it will, come on, it will reset itself. So, so, so listen, listen, look at your name and say, hit the reset, hit the Hit the reset. Me and Bella, we, we was having this conversation as I was preparing for, for today. And yesterday, we was looking at the, the uh, talking about the different points. And, and I asked her, uh, for you, you know, no Bella works here at the church full time. But for many years, uh, Bella has been a, a nurse. And so we were talking about this thing. And, and one of the things I was talking about, marriage, because God is the creator of all things. Somebody say all things. Did you know that when God created the body, God created the body to repair itself? Did you know that? The body is designed, here it is, when you cut yourself, your body immediately goes to work. Y'all don't hear me. I say your body immediately, somebody say immediately. Your body immediately goes to work. So much so that your platelets inside your body will start a clotting process immediately. Listen, your white blood cells will start the process of fighting infection. The protein in your blood called fibrin, working like a needle and thread, starts stitching the womb back together again. It's a process medically called crusting. We call it a scab. Stay with me here. That's why in times that when you, anybody ever had a scab? Come on, you raise your hand if you've ever had a scab. Understand, a scab, when a scab starts to develop, it will cause itching. Anybody ever just wanted to scratch? Oh, come on, I'm not the only one. The reason you want to scratch it because the scab is irritating. Lord, talk to me. It is irritating. Come on online. Amen. It becomes irritating. And when this happens, listen, a scab can be embarrassing to explain. A scab can also be in that category of hard to the touch. But other, under, understand, a scab is also ugly to look at. But even though it may be embarrassing, even though it may be hard, even though you may find it being ugly at times, did you know this? Scabs work. Lord have mercy. Look at your name and say, scabs work. You looked at the wrong neighbor. Look at him and say, scabs work. Did you? Let me tell you, lean in. Let me tell you why scabs work. Because underneath the scab, something is taking place. Underneath the scab, did you know that under that scab, new cells are being produced in your body? Did you know that under that scab, that, listen, old cells that have been damaged are now being repaired? Did you know that under that scab, healing is taking place in your body? Now, if God can can do that with a scab how oh I feel like if God can do that with a scab baby what can he do with your marriage what can he do with your heart what can he do with your family so listen 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 I gotta close up I gotta close up y'all be seated here it is I want you to understand that God wants your marriage he wants your heart he wants you healed and it is a lie to tell yourself we are damaged beyond repair. Now, I am not suggesting to you that times, here it is, that we have truly, at the core, irreconcilable differences. I am not one of those pastors that believe that you should stay in a marriage at all costs. I believe it's a covenant for life, but I don't believe that. Because there's times that you absolutely marry the wrong person. You thought you had a good man. Here it is. You thought you had a good man. And you come in, and he's in the bed with your 12-year-old niece. That's the wrong person. And I don't believe God has called you into that bondage. There's times that you married the wrong woman. It was years, years the church would say, go back to Thelma. Go back with her at all costs. And then he goes home, and Thelma kills him. And then the church goes silent because they did not use the wisdom of God. Because, the, listen, the word here, the letter killeth, but the spirit brings life. You can kill people by just throwing scripture at them with no wisdom of what's actually going on in the situation. So, with that being said, you need to know that I absolutely am convinced that God won't you healed. But at first, you have to address the lies that you have chosen to believe. There's some lies. 
that we covered today. But that's not all the lies that we have chosen to believe. And it's affecting how we see our fiance, our spouses, our children, our parents. Because somewhere along the way, the enemy plants a lie and it breeded distrust. It eroded the influence and then it cut off the support. My question to you is, what are you doing intentionally to see that healed? The worst thing we can do is say, just pray about it. That's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing that believers can do is just simply say, well, just pray about it. Because it implies that all the work belongs to God. And that's why we stay stuck year after year after year and we're still just waiting on God and God said I'm waiting on you I'm waiting on you so so you got to have a vision I was telling somebody uh, that uh, a few days ago I was having a conversation um, oh with with a, a couple here in our church they showed me uh, this amazing woodwork uh, that his father had did uh, with this old model car and I, I looked at the wood on this old model car that and they, they showed me before how this car was demol just demolished and then they showed me the after and the the beautiful woodwork that went into this old model uh, Ford pickup truck and I shared with them that I'm always intrigued by individuals who can y'all probably seen this on on TV where they take this big old huge tunk, chunk of wood and somebody takes a, 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 a saw and begins to carve out these these images a bear or a lion I'm not as impressed I am impressed with the finished product but you know what I'm really impressed with that somebody could see the image in just a hunk of wood that's vision when somebody can look and see, I'm looking around this room, people who are mechanic and really mechanical engineers. I'm, I'm looking around this room and I, and I see people that, that do hair. I see people that do nails. I'm blown away by people looking at a situation and they can envision what the end is going to look like before they ever start. You have to be able to do the same thing in your relationship. It may look like a big old chunk a mess but if you put your hand to it and listen to God and calm down and ensure that it's plugged in the power is on come on and you're constantly checking the results what will the finished product be every head's bowed I want you to take just a few seconds and ask the Holy Spirit how does this apply to your life today? We're going to just take a few moments to just close out in prayer. A real simple prayer. But what I want you to do in this moment is just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, how does this apply to me today? What lies have I chosen to believe? As you're standing, our time is up. I want to close out in prayer with you. You who are joining us online, I want you to just stay with, connected with us just a few moments longer because I want to challenge you on something. Particularly you who are online, but also you are on site. Listen to me. I want to, I'm going to issue another CCC challenge, but before I do that, I want to say this. Don't use your influence so only you can be seen. Pastor Willie, what do you mean by that? God is giving you that influence to impact others for his glory. He doesn't mind you being seen, but our motives has to be right. And God, this may not be for everybody, but it's for somebody here because God wants to use you. Why is that? Pastor Willie, why is that? The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. One of the things I've challenged our leaders, in particular our staff, 
and those who minister and teach, I challenge them to be more anecdotal in their approach because historically in church, we rehearse the problem, but we don't tell people what is the solution. So people are, listen, people are changed by your example, not your opinion. So the CCC challenge, it doesn't matter if it's social media. Let me say this too. Thank you. So many of you accepted the challenge. And because you used the hashtag, we were able to, I had to learn how to do it, but we were able to go through and see all of your comments as it relates to uh, the lie you believe and why you don't believe it any longer. I got another challenge for you. You online, I've already challenged at 9 o'clock. I'm challenging you here this morning. Listen to me. As a couple, me and Bella have already done this. I want you to sit down and discuss together a time that you both believed a lie about your relationship and share why you don't believe that any longer and what truth you now believe together. Now you say, well, I'm single. You can still participate. Don't use this as an opportunity to bash the last person you was with. Share your heart on what lie you believed and why you don't believe that any longer. So couples can contribute, singles can contribute. Pastor Willard, why the CCC challenge? Well, let me answer this in the form of a question. How do the people in your circle of influence view God as a result of your faith? I'm going to say it again. How do people in your circle of influence view God based on your faith? That's what it means to let our light shine. When I shared last week about porn, that was way out there for some people. But for some people, it was like, duh. But it doesn't matter what, it, what, what your issue is. God has freed you. Testify about what God has done for you. So that they, others might be inspired. Listen, the Bible says we overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. How are they going to overcome by a testimony if you won't testify? Our problem is we look for everybody else to do that. And we give that responsibility to other people. Amen. So here's our prayer. Our prayer is this. We're go- my prayer for you, we're going to pray this together, that number one, that we would pray every day. And for you who are in relationship, you got a, a, a husband or a wife, you have a fiance, you have somebody that you're committed to and you're moving toward this idea of marriage. Because listen, I'm not here to throw stones. I'm going to teach the word of God, but we got to operate in grace. I'm one of those people that we need to start where you are, not where we think you should be. Amen. With that being said, when you start praying every day for yourself and for them, I think you'll start to see yourself come back online. You're with me? So we're going to pray. Our prayer is that God would give us the seed. Matter of fact, we're going to pray that God would make it. You know how that's, that feeling you get when you haven't eaten? You got so busy you forgot to eat and your body will let you know it. I want that to be our attitude when it comes to a lack of prayer. It is my prayer that God, every time we fail to pray for our spouse, let it be a groaning in our stomach as if we hadn't eaten. It should bother us that much. Amen. And then the second thing I want us to pray is that we would do the work that's required for a healthy relationship. Be it parenting, relationship with our parents our spouses that we would do the work the reason I told y'all earlier that it is not healthy to tell people just to pray it is okay to tell people to pray but not just to pray prayer is the beginning because it takes faith you know faith Hebrews says that uh, that we must believe that God is a rewarder of them that what diligently seek him seeking God that's an act of faith but the Bible also says faith without works is so us just praying and not doing the work is going to produce dead results it's not enough just to pray you got to do the work 
So when you're talking about, God, help me to love more. God says, okay, I want you to do this, this, and this. And if you know, ignore it, this, this, and this, you're not going to put in the work. Lord, help me to be more compassionate. God says, I want you to do this, this, and this. And if you ignore this, this, and this, you just prayed an empty prayer. You got to put your faith behind your prayer. Amen? With action. So let's pray. Every head's bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for this opportunity to be with so many believers, both on site and online, that you've allowed us to bring you glory by sharing the gospel with someone today. And so today, we intentionally and purposely ask for you, God, to plant a seed in our heart that when we are missing that time daily with you, that our stomachs, our inner man will start to groan and remind us that we have not communed with you. Lord, let us pray for our spouses every single day. Challenge us, remind us, encourage us, strengthen us, but also convict us to pray for our spouses every day. And then, Lord, I'm asking you to give us the tools, the means, the resources to do the work we need to be faithful in this area and we know that sometime all we have to do is turn it around look at the back and hit the reset button in Jesus name